You saw that? Even my fuck-ups are on beat. Damn. How you gonna try to come in? Like that. How you gonna mute my mind? You you just gave a buckshot right now off air. <laughs> the people didn't even hear it. A buckshot for every future bar. Oh man. I keep forgetting that our intro is like a minute and seven seconds long. <laughs> that shit feels like an eternity. Anyway, man, it's Kenneth Barry here. When I have touchdowns and tangents. Uh, sometimes it's the third Depending on serve is here or not uh, Who knows <laughs> Shout out to serve I didn't mean that joke last week But it was funny So if you didn't hear it I probably just dropped this on myself Ooh. But it was funny But anyway But yeah man Shout out to the good news radios And shout out to the good news sports We're here live in studio two um, Kenny said we're somewhere in episode 180 so Winning 180s now Shout out to all you Who've been rocking with us Since then 180 episodes Shout man. out to Everyone else Who's just getting on the wave And of course Shout out to the X Squad Shout out to Shout out to FPC Radio Woo Man Shout out To Downtown Sports Network Shout out to Oh now we're just giving Random shout outs But yeah, man. Shout, shout out to all our past guests. Shout yes. out to all our past guests, man. Shout out to all our past guests and future guests. See what I said? Future guests. You see? You see that? Wow. So is this going to be an episode where we just drink every time somebody says future? Yes. Future? You're welcome. This is how we're going to help you get through the quarantine. And I'm wearing a future hoodie that I got at that concert, that which we I'm were shocked seeing. still fits. Like that was honestly the first thing I said to him today. I, I was like, that pocket. still fits. It super fits, bro. But yeah, man, we. Shout out to that concert we went to, Migos, Skip Tory Lanez. Bro, the fact that Tory Lanez really opened on that tour <laughs> and Dope in a Minute is like my favorite song now. Like, can we really just, like, nah, well, nah, Dope in a Minute good. is a fire song. I'm good on a dude who just remakes songs from 20 years ago. Ouch. That sample is fire, though. And raps really fast on it. That sample is fat fire, though. So, Drake, I'm kidding. Nah. But with that, man, we got a load of show today, so we should probably get to the content. Um, first off, the issue we wanted to talk about with the whole airline and the player situation. No, no, no. We're going to wait on that. Since I keep blasting off this shotgun blast, we're going to get to the shits. And there's a story update. So remember when we talked about Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker, mm. that situation where they allegedly, mm. allegedly, allegedly, allegedly robbed some people uh, to get their stuff back and fled the scene in a bunch of expensive ass cars. Did you see that tweet where that, that DeAndre dude, Baker got off? Nah, what, there was this reporter and he was like, in all the scandals I've covered, this is by far the craziest one. I forgot who it was. But go ahead. Pretty much, because I mean, 
According to uh, in a story in the New York Post by Paul Schwartz, the headline goes, DeAndre Baker, Quentin Dunbar's lawyers fighting each other over bullshit tweet. Um, so pretty much, it first came out that Dunbar, a bunch of people came out with a written verbal um, statement saying that Dunbar was innocent. And it, it was, was like, like five people had yeah. signed an agreement. And it looked like Baker was guilty. Yeah. Then people came out on Baker's behalf. But now uh, one of the lawyers for Baker, Patrick Patel, said it's not only false, uh, that pretty much is deceitful and sparked the avalanche accusations against Dunbar's lawyer, Michael Greco. Says Baker is going to immediately file a lawsuit against Greco for libel and slander, making everyone believe that Baker is in that picture um, because his name is in the text. Um, also, he's they're facing four counts of armed robbery with a firearm, four counts of aggravated assault. Seeming from the legends that last Wednesday in Miramar, Florida, Dunbar's facing four counts of armed robbery. The arrest warrant stated that Baker and Dunbar may have lost $70,000 in the dice game two nights earlier. And if you lose seventy k in the dice game, you almost got to go back and, you know, do something. You can't just lose seventy k in the dice game in your hood. Like, But that's a whole nother. I'm not going to be a snitch like Michael Jordan or allegedly Horace Grant. So I'm going to just leave that there. But for those of y'all who come from dice game culture, you understand you don't just walk away from a $70,000 loss. <laughs> somebody got to die. I'm sorry. Or allegedly die. Or somebody got to get their life changed. I don't know. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but anyway, that was the motivation behind the incident. Uh, Baker, and they both um, surrendered themselves. So Baker entered a plea of not guilty to all eight counts. Dunbar also pleaded not guilty to the charges against him. And this picture that Michael Greco tweeted out, uh, it says that Dunbar lost a bunch of money early in the week at a gambling party, suggesting he had motives. He said, but why did the organizer text Dunbar about not knowing about the prior party and what went down? And then answer, because he wasn't there. And it's pretty much a picture with DeAndre Baker in it. And it's looking kind of guilty. And... Yeah. So I found the tweet that I was talking about was from um, uh, Greg Bell, who is a Seahawks beat reporter for the AP. He said, been asked how crazy Quentin Dunbar's story is versus all the other I've covered on the beat. Said Ken Ken Hamlin's street sign story. Crazy. Malik McDowell's story. I tweeted that out. I remember that. (laughs) 0205 Raiders. We have to be the dumbest team in America. DB's nearly boycotting a GM. Barrett Robbins. AWOL. Super Bowl. Now that was crazy. Indeed. (laughs) That shit was wild. All those things are wild. Go look up the Ken Hamlet story, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, it's pretty much to the point where... And I mean, the issue with the Giants, the Giants pretty much don't want him back at the facility, DeAndre Baker. They had issues, and a bunch of reports came out now. Everybody thought it was a great pick when it happened, but apparently a lot of people in the building didn't want Baker even on the team. Uh, They said that he had to pretty much get his ass dragged to practice to work hard every day at Georgia, and he was always a headache. And people were already not um, sold on his work ethic and his personality, saying he got into fights. There's a bunch of issues at Georgia, and he really, uh, like, they, 
they're very it's very polarizing for the Giants. They don't even want him in the facility. I think they barred him from the facility yeah. for the foreseeable future. Like it's it's a lot of reports coming out and a lot of people were finding out they an organization really did not want Baker on the Giants. So the fact that it's like, wow, why'd you draft him then? But also in the picture it says the picture posted in the text shows one larger man sitting at a table and another man standing nearby with a high stack of cash and a smaller stack of cash on the table. The man standing up wearing a short sleeve red shirt with tattoos on his right arm and possibly on his left arm could be seen as possibly being Baker. The faces of both men are concealed by yellow smiley faces, although it's not clear when those smiley faces were added. Shout out to Snapchat. Still getting hmm. people in trouble. Unbelievable. Look at the size of the arms and the tats, Patel said. It's not him. In other words, if the tats are amiss, you must dismiss. Wow, that is a journalism bar. That was corny, but he said it. I'm going to say it again. In other words, if the tats are amiss, you must dismiss or quit. Uh, Pretty much they're charged. The two men are charged with stealing more than $12,000 in cash, expensive designer watches. Uh, pretty much allegedly, the arrest warrant said that Baker pointed a gun at a victim and told an unidentified mask assailant to shoot someone walking into the party. Patel previously told the Post that Baker was playing the Madden video game at the house party and left after he heard a ruckus in the other room. DeAndre has no knowledge of anybody in those texts who sent it to who. Patel said, let the guy come forward. I cannot write. I cannot wait to get Greco on the stand and cross-examine him on how he got that text, who he got the text from. Patel also pointed out Greco has a history of troubling conduct. Lawyer beef. Greco is also accused of using his prosecution of an assault case against Sean Taylor, the now deceased safety, to promote his work as a nightclub disc jockey in Miami Beach. Patel has also mentioned Greco, a 27, resigned as Miami Beach commissioner, facing charges of accepting an illegal campaign contribution. So, yeah, it's not looking good. And anybody who defames the name of Sean Taylor, I have a problem with. So... Yeah, it's not good. Anything else you want to say? Nah, I think you about covered it. I mean, it's a pretty crazy story. I'm just waiting to and see how it all un- unveils. It's only going to get worse. And boy, yeah, it's it's nasty. Anytime you have shady lawyers and money and dice games. and This is why athletes really need to be smart about social media. Because some people have a propensity to do stupid shit. And then when it, like, why not? There's so much, like, Snapchat really is, like, a barren wasteland of nastiness. Like, sometimes it's really nice and upbeat, and then it's like, oh, God, there are drugs and murder and, like, nudity down that aisle. Like, for real. But anyway, so we can get back to the first topic at hand, if you want. Well, let's see, depending on the guest, the guest goes on. It is true. It's true. But yeah, basically what happened was the two NFL players who are right now anonymous essentially are suing American Airlines saying they were sexually harassed by female passengers um, who confronted them and and was, you know, harassing them, even took their face mask off. But we'll get back to that awkward transition. Hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Ryan Dyer calling from Pasadena, California. Hey, Ryan. What's good? What's happening, guys? What's going on? 
So for those of you guys who don't know, Ryan here is the CEO, founder, and host of the LA Football Network and podcast, as well as the Spirits and History podcast. Um, first of all, man, we've been trying to do this for a while, so happy to finally get you on. Um, but yeah, how how are you doing with all this craziness of you know uncertainty around sports, and and how are you maintaining right now? Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. We have been uh, trying to get this going for a while. Like, I, I think back to, well, I think even back to the Rams Super Bowl we talked about yes, maybe doing sir. a crossover yes. or something, yep. <laughs> which was like a year and a half ago. So yep. uh, good to be on with you fellas. But, yeah, man, it's been crazy. I mean, I'm sure my story is pretty similar. Everyone else is just kind of trying to find ways to create content st- still and, and really cover these L.A. football teams. And um, I believe uh, we were both at the uh, – covering the wildcats here in la with the xfl and obviously that came to an end so it's just been trying to create content and, and find good coverage for these teams that aren't really doing anything right now yeah, yeah. and it's crazy because Vince McMahon's now trying to buy the xfl back from bankruptcy like that dude i, I was talking <laughs> on the show today like this new wrinkle is we may actually have the xfl next year who knows <laughs> or continuation of the season maybe <laughs> who knows maybe who knows? Yeah, I mean, they'd have to get all the players and staff back, but we'll see. But, yeah, man, so with all that, um, kind of the topic over the past, you know, few weeks, especially with everything kind of died down, has been like the uniforms of the two teams in Los Angeles. Who do you think won that first little scrimmage? Who do you think rolled out their uniforms better? Like, who do you think just overall has the better uniform and design now headed into SoFi? I mean, I think overall the Chargers did it better. I think mm. the way they released, they were just much more under the radar. There wasn't like this huge, big uh, stink about it. Like the Rams were kind of building up their big release, and obviously yeah. they probably had a big thing planned, and it, it came crashing down because of this pandemic. But the totally Chargers always kind of flew under the radar, and then they, they released it. The first, they released the logo update, which is very, very subtle, but it was enough to kind of make a splash. And then they quietly released their uniforms on uh, Good Morning Football, I think Joey Bosa was and did it, and I mean they have the best uniforms in the entire league. Yeah. So I think the upper hand, but I think the Rams, once everything blows over, I I do like their their. I don't really love the logo, but I do like the uniforms. I think the helmet's badass. I think it. Uh, what they were going for was you know a thing from the past, but modernizing it, and I think they did that. And some people hate on it. Personally, I like it though, so I think their uniforms are really cool too. I like the bone color, but mm. just head to head, I mean the Chargers knocked out of the park. And moving forward, just to the on-field product, you know, how do you think each team fared in the offseason? Who do you think, you know, maybe did a little bit better than the other? Uh, yeah, stick with the Chargers, too. I mean, they had mm. a historic offseason. Tom Telesco really had a great free agency, which usually they're very quiet. He kind of just sticks to his guns yeah. um, and, and, you know, goes to the draft. But they had a great free agency getting Chris Harris Jr., you know, Linval Joseph, uh, among others. They got Brian Balaga to stir up that offensive line. They traded for Trey Turner. And it had a great draft. I mean, I think the, there's mixed emotions on Justin Herbert, but I think he mm. was their guy, and uh, they were able to get him and then trading back up to get Kenneth Murray, which, again, very unlike Tom Telesco to trade at all in the draft. He usually just stays pat with his picks. And so I think he's kind of turning a new leaf. We're seeing a, a change of the guard here a little bit and how he does things. Um, so overall, the Chargers, I think, killed their offseason. They had a top-five offseason overall in the NFL. Rams, kind of similar to their uniforms, got a lot of flack for a lot of moves they did or didn't mm. do. 
got a lot of flack for a lot of draft picks, but once the dust has kind of settled and people are chewing on it, they really did not have a bad offseason. They did improve in certain areas, um, and they kind of have stayed pat in others. So I think they did all right as well, but the Chargers overall had just a phenomenal offseason. And, and then that kind of brings me to the next question because, you know, I know some people who've been Rams fans even to St. Louis, and, you know, now they're kind of maybe not as gun-ho as they were when the Rams first got here. So, you know, do you think the Rams are losing steam a little bit, and is it at the wrong time considering, you know, they're finally moving into their big stadium, which, you know, the Chargers were supposed to be really an afterthought, but now they're building momentum. So what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. And I don't think – I think what this logo – upheaval if you want to call it that or or the the shock and awe of it has shown is that this is a passionate fan base and whether they're upset or happy at least they're talking about it there's a lot of coverage on it and i don't know how often you guys are on twitter but twitter like exploded when that logo released i was actually at a a wildcats game when it when it uh i think it was uh robinson from yahoo that first uh announced it and and so i was like pregame down there at dignity health and everyone was just going nuts (laughs) over this logo but but yeah i don't think they're they're dying out necessarily. I think just, you know, it's a little quieter because of no sports in general. But overall, the chatter about the logo shows that this is still a passionate fan base. And you, they just have to win. I mean, they're coming off a 9-7 and seven season. If they're able to turn things around, um, I think mm-hmm. they'll be able to get things kind of back back to where it was. I mean, what do you guys think? Are you seeing the, a good L.A. fan base here still for the Rams specifically? I think it's both. You know, I think the, the Rams fans are, are – are getting a little less loud and chipper, especially after how good of a season the 49ers had. And now we're seeing all these closet 49er fans in the city pop up. They're so, always like that. They show up every 7 to 15 years. And they say, oh, Joe Montana, like, fam, where were you when they were terrible? So, I mean, we have two teams, but it, it still feels like L.A. is really up for grabs. And mm-hmm. I, I would oh, sorry. Go ahead. I would say that the Rams – are pretty much like Lob City, but we know that their window's closed. <laughs> like, I mean, they're, that's, that's they're another good question, They're the Clippers though. of football. Where, where would you rank the L.A. football rivalry right now in terms of, you know, other rivalries in Los Angeles? Is it even on as the in, radar? As in Rams versus Chargers? As in Rams versus Chargers compared to, you know, Dodgers versus Angels or Clippers versus Lakers USC or versus USC versus UCLA. Like, does... It even compared to that yet? Is it even on that scale? You know, I, I think it's getting there, and I think I think that's kind of what they're trying to build. And in the whole, mm. when the Chargers came here, they had the fight for L.A. as their theme in, in training camp. <laughs> and for a while, I feel like it was always the Rams kind of just looked at them like an afterthought, like, like yeah. most of the city did, to be honest with you. Um, but I think because of what the Chargers have done, because of the, the team they put together, because of their marketing department, because of what they've been doing on social media, they're starting to kind of surprise people and sneak up on, on these Rams fans, and now we're starting to see a lot more kind of back and forth. So it's not, it's not there yet where the Lakers and Clippers are, are that, but I think it is growing. Um, and to a sense, on the playing field, I think they're very even, whereas you have some of the other teams where the Lakers are, well, the Clippers have been good too, but the Lakers are still, I mean, it's a Lakers town. So I think it's getting there. I think, I think we'll have a good rivalry. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think it's just going to take some time to keep growing. And with that, I got a couple things. Uh, when it comes to the whole content creation and you look at the Chargers and how they really like colors, like it's splashy, they have personality. 
you factor that in with the fact that they signed Storm Norton, uh, left tackle for the Wildcats. So there's the XFL angle there, and they have all these different personalities. Do you almost feel like the Rams maybe the Rams are almost like as far as excitement for their season, it's more people are more excited to see the Chargers necessarily in this new stadium than they are the actual Rams. Uh, I mean, I think if you're a casual fan that doesn't care about either team, mm. that might be what you're alluding to. And I, I think, yeah, there would be a little more excitement about this mm. Chargers team. Have the the Jack Boys as the second. And their tickets called. are cheaper, <laughs> so that doesn't hurt. The beer is yeah. probably yeah, be cheaper too. <laughs> yeah, you would think. I mean, we'll see what actual prices will be. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is a little bit more for the casual fan about what these Chargers. And, and I think too because the stigma. And the story of the Chargers has been, um, you know, that they don't have fans. They can't fill their own stadium. It's almost like fans are kind of being like, well, maybe I do want to check these guys out and see what they've had to put up with and, and kind of establish themselves in L.A. And, and the Rams are kind of more the, I guess, boring team. But they still have Sean McVay. I mean, there's still, there's still so many fun things about the Rams, too. I think just with the way the uniforms went and with the way the draft and offseason went, the Chargers seem like they're on a, on a higher trajectory right now. But once the season starts, I'm going to say that we are having a season. Hopefully we are, but pretend like we are. Yes, I think sir. things will be back to normal, and the, and the Rams will or be more even keel with that, and, and we'll see a lot more Rams fans back to where they were. And with that, with the fan bases, now I, I was at those L.A. those LA Wildcat games, and it feels like the energy was just so intense and high, and like L.A. really gravitated to that team and adopted that team. It's hard to get people to show up to – you know, a game like that on a Saturday when the Lakers had just got through playing and everybody's in downtown L.A., so everybody else comes to Carson. When we're looking at the Chargers fan support at that same exact stadium in Carson at Cal State Dominguez Hills, and you look at <laughs> the XFL, you know, participation at that same stadium, are you worried that maybe the Chargers – Support might flop. Um, I mean that's that seems to be the big the big million dollar question and and mm-hmm. the whole um, kind of concern with them moving here. But but here's one thing, and this is I, I I'm not a, I'm not a Chargers fan. I cover the team. I'm a fan. But one thing I've always <laughs> said while covering them, and I don't know if you guys have thought this or noticed this, but it wasn't necessarily an issue with filling the stadium. It was just an issue with opposing fans. And when you're a, a mm. fan of a team and say you have kids at home and all of a sudden your ticket is worth $400 to sell to some Green Bay fan that doesn't want to be in Wisconsin in the middle of mm. December because they want to come to sunny California, if you can make 800 bucks on a pair of tickets, why not sit at home with your son, watch the game there? Uh, and I think that That's was more point. the issue as opposed yeah. to just there was no Charger fans. I think L.A. are opportunists, and if you can make a quick buck and still watch your team, <laughs> why not do that? And then you bring up the Wildcats, who I think was growing their popularity, but, you know, you can go to games for 15 20 bucks, get mm. out there, have some beers, tailgate. And so I think it was just more the, the price and the cost, and now being in this new stadium where there's 70,000 seats to fill, so even if your resale value is a little higher, it's not going to be $400 for a, a regular season game. Mm. So I think that is going to offset itself, and we'll see a lot more Chargers fans come out for the games. And so I, that was just my opinion, and I talked to a lot of Chargers fans throughout the last two, three years, and I think it was more so just that opportunistic of making 
a quick buck on your on your ticket as opposed to going and sitting in traffic and all that to go to a game. So I think we won't see as big of an issue once they are in SoFi and there's more seats to fill because then, you know, why sell your $70 ticket for 90 if you'd rather just go watch the game in this beautiful new stadium? Yeah, sure. And with that, because the Wildcats, especially with their pregame stuff and a lot of those different food vendors, they, I think they did a lot right. Do you see that kind of carried over to the new stadium? Because, I mean, the NFL, they copied stuff from the XFL before, especially with the, kind of the, the L.A. experience. Yeah, I hope. I mean, I love what the Wildcats did. And, hmm. and uh, yeah, I remember seeing you there. And, yeah, I think that they were just really on the rise. And I know that I know L.A. had one of the, the lower – attendance or whatever but it's just because in la it takes a while to build something but they were doing the yeah. right thing and and i hope we see a lot of that carry over into you know the the pregame ritual and stuff like that and, and i think it'll bode well uh for the whole fan experience and i think that's what la needs to do i mean we saw when the lakers got in their heyday the you know the showtime lakers and what they kind of transformed the game and i think these la teams need to do that in order to kind of build their their brand here and build their credibility in this new stadium. And I think we'll see it. I remember being at a, a game last year at the Collie with a, I went with a buddy who's from the Midwest. And at halftime, there was the L.A. Rams mariachi that played. He's like, <laughs> I've, never been to an LA, L, I've never been to an NFL game where there's a mariachi playing at halftime. But that's part of the L.A. experience, and those are things yep. that to bring forth in this new stadium, and I, I think they will. And hopefully some of those XFL things we saw do carry over. Especially with that press box, because um, that food in that press box was fire. I mean, <laughs> they shorted us on the desserts and the cookies, but like, yeah, it ran out. The desserts ran out quick, man. They were out quick. They had like two minutes, <laughs> like two seconds. But I, like yeah. for real, I, that chicken, the chicken, no, and the spaghetti, coffee and coffee and cakes, man. <laughs> I don't think you understand Pastries. that. Like, that press box yeah. dinner, that last home game. Oh man. It was, uh, yeah, I was impressed. We had like what Chinese one time. We had yeah, chicken. Hey. They had hood Chinese, but gourmet hood Chinese. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but yeah, Ryan. So I mean, you're talking about building something here in LA, and and you know, obviously you're you're kind of doing the same thing with with your podcast and your network, and you've been doing it for a while. You've been doing it in different you know iterations and stuff like that. So if you could, why don't you talk a little bit about your journey and you know, what exactly L.A. football podcast and network is to you. Yeah, for sure, man. So, uh, you know, I try to not talk too much about it, but I started off. Go ahead, man. (laughs) This is your time. (laughs) All right, all right. You're the interviewer, you know. I don't want to bore your audience. So so I started off like a lot of, I think a lot of people, like when you want to get in this industry, I think a lot, you have to just get your foot in the door any way possible, which means writing for a lot of free websites, uh, trying to interview as many people as possible. So I was doing a lot of free writing for, you know, fan site, SB Nation, stuff like that. Yep. And after a while, I was like, man, I, I mean, I'm doing all this stuff for free anyway. Why not Why not start my own? I mean, maybe you guys kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, yep. uh, you know, I'm not, they're not really benefiting me other than me putting SB Nation on a resume. So I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting credentials at all. So why not just start building my own brand? So I started a, a website called Sports Al Dente, which was a, a full NFL website. I worked at an Italian restaurant. So that's where the name came from. Mm. Um, and so, so I, I covered I. all the NFL. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah. So I covered all the NFL. And I started realizing while doing that is we'd have really good coverage of six teams and the other 24 or 28, whatever. We did not have great coverage. So I was like, okay, let's – we're just it's getting too watered down so then we went to we transformed it to just west coast just the afc west and nfc west um and then kind of similar we i was obviously based here in la so our rams and Chargers coverage was really really good 
I'm a Broncos fan by trade. I'm from Denver originally, so our Denver Broncos coverage was good, but like mm. our Cardinals coverage, Seahawks coverage was lacking. So I'm okay. That's not fair to like our readers. We want a spot where it's truly great coverage for the teams we cover. So then I was like, well, I'm in LA. Why not we just we add college and we just do LA football? So we added the Bruins, we added the Trojans, and then later obviously the Wildcats. And so we've now been able to build this brand. It's been one year since we, or almost a year, we we transferred, we rebranded the site last. Uh, I want to say it was October to the mm-hmm. LAFB network. Um, and so it's been almost a year, and we've seen awesome growth. Uh, we've been trying to get involved in the community, trying to do these live podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were credentialed like like you guys for the Wildcats. Uh, I believe I saw one of you also at the uh, at the um, NFL PA Bowl. Yeah, yeah we were both there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fun time. <laughs> yeah, super cool and. And just doing stuff like that, man, and, and trying to get involved with uh, fans and, and just uh, really have a great knowledge of all these L.A. football teams because I think L.A. football sometimes gets a bad knack, but there's it, a great history. I mean, you have the Trojans who have phenomenal history, the Rams who originally were here since the 40s. You know, you have teams like the L.A. Dons that were here. The Chargers actually started here. I don't know if you know how the, the Chargers name came about, but they were named after the bugle that was played at Dodger games when they would mm-hmm. yell charge. And so the owner named his wow. team the Chargers. Um, so yeah, so we just, I, I, I've loved the culture of LA football and I've loved, uh, covering these teams. So we're just trying to build a brand that really covers these teams well, cause I don't think they get great coverage. I mean, I feel like the big networks, ESPN and Fox and stuff like that, they're more of an oversight they They cover the Dodgers, the Lakers, and then they'll, they'll talk about the Rams here and there. They'll talk really chargers get really crappy coverage. Um, so trying to just really give them their due and cover the teams that diehard fans really want to hear. So, so that's kind of my story and how how we are where we are and we'll just keep grinding away and, and keep pushing this thing on that's fan- that's amazing fantastic and with that you kind of talked about you know you saw some of the games how did the Rose Bowl security treat you <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I had a problem did you did you guys meet some uh, some tough tough security guys something like that it was like taking a job we, we had some problems we had some Paul Blurts yeah. trying to rush us off the field when we were like, they told us we could be it. on the field. Like, this pass yeah, literally says I could be here. No, you got to be in the stands. <laughs> There's no one in the stands, bro. Like, what are you... <laughs> yeah, I, I think I... Because I think they switched. I remember I got on the field, and then I saw one guy, like, kicking people off. I think I was able to get on there right before. So. Yeah, because right when you go down that tunnel, because, like, I got there, I go to the restroom, you know, Wash my hands. I see Reggie McKenzie. I come out. I'm like, oh, wow. There's a bunch of people here. Get yeah. right there. They're like, oh, let me see your wristband. Depending on the color, can you be on the field or not? Because only agents or something could be on the field. But then, like, yeah. you had all the TV people set up. And then we were just, like, on one side of the stadium, which, by the way, I did not realize. I don't know how they get 100,000 people in that stadium because those, like, the seating is very on top of each other. It's very small. Yeah, they're bleachers. <laughs> they're literally bleachers. Well, like, yeah. how how was the press box? Were you at the? How, how, but I how, still how, smell the Raiders championship in there. I know, right? How would you compare <laughs> press boxes from like the Wildcats press box to that NFL PA Bowl press box? Any other press box well, I, you've been in? Yeah, I mean the the Rose Bowl press box. What's cool about the Rose Bowl is it's the Rose Bowl. That's about the view yep. is awesome. Yep. The yep. fact that you're in that kind of Rose course. Bowl. But it kind of ends there. Like, you're way high up. There's glass. You don't even hear the sound. You can't even hear the sounds on the field. So you feel like you're watching on TV, but you can't even see what's going on. Those words. Whereas, you're like, you're on top of the action. You're right there because it's a small stadium. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So with that, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you, what, what you're working on right now, and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, fellas. Hey, thanks again for having me on. But yeah, no you worries. can uh, find My me thoughts. on Twitter, Ryan Divert, LAFB. The main account is LAFB Network. We're on all social media, LAFB Network. Uh, the website is LAFBnetwork.com. The podcast is Believe in LA Football. All pretty easy to find. Just LA Football, and, and you'll find us. And uh, just working on constant uh, off-season stuff. Uh, a bunch of good articles there. We got uh, some prospect stuff with the Bruins and Trojans. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just getting through this quarantine, pumping stuff out. I actually had Josh Johnson on my podcast today, who is Dope. former Yellow Wildcats quarterback. So Town business. Marshawn Lynch's cousin. <laughs> That's right. They're doing a Madden tournament. You got to, they were promoting that, so you got to check that out. It's cool. a pros versus Joes Madden tournament. Ooh. Awesome. That could be a bloodbath. All right, Ryan. Well, thank you, man. Best to you and your family and your baby and. Really appreciate this. We got to do this again soon. We got to have a, a live tailgate or something once events are, you know, safe again. I propose a summer barbecue. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, guys. I'm in. So, you know, I'll get you guys on my show, too. We'll have to, we'll have to get you on that, and, and we'll, we'll just talk more football. Most Amen, definitely. brother. So, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys. Stay Likewise. safe. Have a great night. You, too. Stay safe. Take care. <clears throat> yeah, man. Shout out to Ryan. That was a long time coming. Um, I actually... You know, talk to him even before the the first live event we did, the draft event. Um, you know, he was already had his own event that he was going to. But, you know, from there, even before that, I had been following him because, you know, he was doing the West Coast sports thing. So I was kind of following what he was doing there and just been following him since. You know, like I said, he's, you know, kind of done different brands of the podcast and the network and now he seems to have really found kind of, you know, his lane and his niche. And, you yeah. know, obviously you can see what he's – he knows what he's talking about. And he's, you know, really really out, out there engaged with, you know, both – all four fan communities, really, I feel yeah. like. And, like, especially, like, with those Wildcat games, you run into a lot of local media guys and, like, people who actually wanted to be there. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing. It's not, it's not just, okay, the same people who get – the same – Publications who get the same access, you know, regardless of who's there. It's you know the people who are have their hair down and are doing the work and want to break in. Especially like there, being who in a, finally getting finally getting their notice. You know? Exactly, especially being in that press room after the games. Like, wish they had more home games. Wish we could have finished out the season, but man, it was it was dope and it was great and just yeah. And again, the press box food. In those Wildcat games. What's up with you and talking about press boxes? Bro, the food was fire. I'm, I'm going to get a bit. I'm I miss hood Chinese. Bit. I miss I'm gourmet gonna, hood Chinese. I'm, gonna get, I'm losing weight, as you can tell. <laughs> and I'm frustrated. Because like, I'm starting to eat really healthy at my job now. I'm like, getting you a bit about that. We're going to do something about that. Press press box chronicles or something. We can play press box bingo. <laughs> Journalist press box bingo. That should be fire. Like that. Seriously, when this is all over, we're going to have like, before, I don't know if it's our 200th episode Courtside all sports podcasts. Everybody's welcome. We're gonna just get one big ass podcast in a park somewhere and just talk shit and eat a lot of good food. I feel like that needs to happen. Like I'm just putting that out there in the universe. In the universe, it's gonna happen. Keith, you're probably listening. Shout out to Cam Newton. By the way, Cam Newton is a Taurus. That tells me everything I need to know about Cam Newton. That lets me literally. You shouldn't overlook him. Like just. You're a Taurus. My mom's a Taurus. That's what I mean. I understand so, you tar- so you shouldn't overlook him. Not only that, like, I just will never get mad at him for who he is because he's a Taurus. Like, if anything, y'all should be apologizing to Cam Newton because he's a Taurus. Like, it's not his fault. It's your fault for not understanding him. 
Now I'm an even bigger Tam- Cam Newton fan. So there. And which we which we'll talk about. The Jaguars, which we we'll can see. talk about a little bit later. But you know, I can't wait to use him in Madden because I'm signing him to. I'm getting the, the, all the free agents and just putting them on one team. Or in your case, if you do your Madden simulation, you should probably just have him be your QB. But yeah, man. So back to kind of what I was talking about while I was stalling for Ryan to call in. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So yeah, man, the NFL, two players who are anonymous right now are basically suing American Airlines, saying they were they were harassed, groped, and uh, had their face masks removed and everything while they were on a plane. And essentially they're saying the airline, the attendants didn't want to give their names, the, they didn't want to give the um, other passengers who did it their names, so... Pretty much the players are saying, are blaming the airline saying, you know, you guys didn't do shit about this. So And slapping you with a lawsuit. Yep. Pretty much that's that. And if this case doesn't go anywhere, we're going to have to have a serious conversation about how women abuse men and nothing gets done about it. Wow. We're going there. Are we ready for that conversation? Are they ready for this conversation? Because, I mean... This is a place where we, we, we address toxicity, good or bad. So, are y'all ready for this conversation? I'm just saying. But anyway, proceed. Um. Yeah, that was about it. That's all, that's all I want to talk about. Next topic. Y'all have no idea how much I love this shotgun blast. The Rooney Rule. Sorry. I'm spacey today. Speaking of uh, blasts and unnecessary buckshots. So after rumors that the Rooney Rule was going to essentially... Include a third round pick? Yeah, if you interviewed or hired more minority candidates. Two. At least two. And Marvin Lewis, you know, a black head coach, someone we've interviewed at the NFLPA Bowl this past January. A forefather in the football community. Um, essentially said it's Jim Crow laws in the NFL. Like who who what coach wants to be put in that situation where they're hired just because of a draft pick? Draft picks are gold in the NFL. It's a it's affirmative action and it's a slap in the face. Yeah. You're not here because you're talented, you're here because it's a quota, nigga. Like that defeats the per like that literally is like this is how I don't, I don't like how you def- said that, honestly. I was kind of offended. You were offended? <laughs> now you know how it feels to be black. No, it just caught me off guard. Like, 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 every like second of every day. That, like, where did that come from? Like, a place of I'm being. I'm scared of you now. Like, really? That's all it took? I kind of did this from the are beginning? You just, are you just a, a closet racist? I don't even know about it? Are you. No, but I. I that's pretty much the energy that the law gives. No, off. no, I got it. I got it. I got Just what you're saying. Just my delivery was really yeah. strong and intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? Black man, what you want? What you think? <laughs> but yeah, man. So what they ended up doing Shit. was requiring NFL teams to hire more. To I'm sorry, interview more candidates at both the head coaching and coordinator positions. So something that they've been talking about doing or should have been done, like I don't know. 10 years ago, but finally, 20 years ago, we might see a black 
coach get a coordinator position, but who knows? They might just use that as a way to typecast him as, well, he's just a QB coach or whatever. He's Eric the still doesn't have a head coaching job. Brad Childress was a head coach in the league, and he was one of Andy Reid's assistants. Um, what's his name? The Eagles head coach? I'm on spacing on his name right now. I mean, he's interviewed for every job, but maybe he just hasn't got the money he wants. Like, why leave no, 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 a no, perfect no, 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 thing? No. If they want you, they will give you the money. Matt Rule That's got true. the money. That's true. Joe, whatever the hell his name is, a special teams coach in New England, got the money. I feel you. If you're a white candidate, even if you're not qualified for the job, because I don't think the Giants coach is compared to Eric Bieniemy. If you're qualified for the job, even if you're not qualified, they're gonna pay you when you're white. That's just a that's just a bigger microcosm in life. When you're white on the job, you're gonna get paid. And you're gonna get the title and everything that comes with it. If you're not white, you're already coming in there knowing that you're a minority. Which personally I hate the word minority because there's nothing minor about me. I'm not white. You should just like, and so to hire for diversity and throw in things like that, when you try to be politically correct, you end up with this type of energy that this bullshit rule gives off that, Oh, we're going to try to hire. We're going to, we're going to hire more people. It's like the equivalent of being told you're overqualified, which that shit boils my blood. Like it's literally like saying, you're too overqualified for this position, so you're just I not going to get a position and we're going to hire somebody else. I agree else. with everything that you're saying. The only thing that I will say is that, you know, it also doesn't mean that everybody has to be forced into a, a job that they don't want either. Oh, yeah, know? that's true, but if so, we're not getting the if, same traction, if, if you deserve a job and you deserve a look and you're not even getting the interview because somebody's cousin's buddy's third nephew's wife, whatever, like whatever game you want to play, whatever nepotism game happens. Basically, what I'm saying is I agree with you. Like, it's not fair. I'll take but, equal opportunity. But with that. I think Bellamy, if if he's, I don't, he should take gonna a job. Get, he's gonna get a, he's gonna get a good spot. How do you know? Because he's had too many interviews already. To what if he goes to Jacksonville and they're already a shit show and ownership doesn't give him any control over who he wants to draft? And then, well, we, how many times have we seen coaches get run out of town? Is probably going to be trash this year, but they'll be looking up the following year. This and was then like you'll the be able sweet to get, spot. And then of, you'll be able to get your... See, the other thing about taking a coaching job is you want to make sure you have a say, especially as an offensive coach, who your quarterback is. And you also want to make sure you have a, a say in, you know, what personnel is going to have. The Giants So have, that's another element, which, you know, to your point, you know, black head coaches don't get that same say. So How many black know, offensive coordinators... How many position coaches get to go to offense? So, So what I'm saying is... It's also there, there's layers to it, you know. He also has to have the right situation because we all know black coaches get the worst situations, you know. In college too. Yeah. So if it hasn't worked out, like I don't necessarily. I mean, it's not great because yeah, the numbers are so bad. But you know, for him as an individual, he can't miss. Yeah, it's gonna come. And be, but that's what I'm saying because he, he's he might win another fucking Super Bowl this year as an offensive coach. He's riding out with Mahomes. But my thing is this It shouldn't be that way 
That's the what landscape. If, if it, it's okay. only one of them. Name what if it's a, three other black officers head coordinators? Coordinators. What if it's a McDaniel situation? Even what if it's you know he's oh, he's re- the next guy up? You but, know maybe he wants to stay there around for Andy Reid support him. But who's you to know? say they'll hire him? Let's say they go that's to the coordinator. coordinator. That's what they go to Nolo or whatever like, his name you is. You know, if he was just in another team that was like descending, you know, like. But he's not. He's on a team that's still at the peak. Is still going to be at the peak. So he's still set up. If he wants to be with this boy Andy, you know, who took a chance on him, who helped him get a Super Bowl. Yeah, my gum. Who helped him get a Super Bowl and with a QB. Who's gonna break the bank and also, you know, make sure? What you think Mahomes gonna get paid forty million and not buy that man a a, a nice Rolls Royce? Like, you Christmas? think he's only getting forty million? Some man. You think Mahomes isn't getting sixty? Some man. He better get his OC. Some. All I'm saying is his OC should never have to buy food again in Kansas City. <laughs> he should never. He should get lifetime barbecue. Pretty sure Andy gets in just rejects it. <laughs> but like, he's like, nah, I'm watching my cholesterol. Yeah. I'm not trying to pull a Rex Ryan. Uh, that lap band looking uh, kind of stretched out, buddy. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Coordinate that. But anyway, like, my issue with this rule, with the bullshit rule they were trying, is we've seen this in the workplace. It's probably happened to you at your job, like past yeah. jobs. Like, that's a bullshit premise. You're just going in and, like, all the white people who apply, uh, scot-free, no pressure whatsoever. They can have no fucking talent show up and just get it because they're a good fit, which are, which is code word for I'm comfortable around you because you're another white person. That's what it really means. Because if... Well, like, I mean, to your point, it's, it's the things... It's never the reverse. It's the things that we value in... Society and like popular tech- culture, like we value fucking strong masculine white traits, and so no, we those don't. people I don't value that shit. The people in power do because why? Those people in power are those people, which to your point, they're comfortable around them. But I'm just saying, you know, other people who aren't like them are stronger in other areas of their personality. You know, maybe they're not the strongest handshake or the loudest voice in the room. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to bring something totally different and totally better than you expected to the position and not only do what that white man can do, but also do it better. Which is usually the case when it's a fair playing field, just saying. But when you break it down, it really comes down to this. And my mom told me this. I've seen it in life. The best person for the job usually never gets the job. Can we just be honest? Like, middle management is like the perfect example of a bunch of useless-ass people who literally can't do, like, they're, they're lifetime lifers at a job or whatever. And they either hold people back that's or elevate people who they want. And that's I, what that I, rule... I agree with you. That's what the problem with that rule. I agree rule. with you. It the, feeds into that, that I same I agree energy. with you, though, but at the same time, that, one, is a skill, people-pleasing, and two, something I have no interest in. So That's what I'm saying. If, if like, those people you could be a that, cockroach, but you don't want to be. If those people can do that, more power to them. Like, to me, you're also... To me, you're also getting paid... For that 
you're getting paid to be in that vacuum between two things where you can never win and you're just constantly treading water between two a rock and a hard place the people you manage and the people who manage you yeah. just bouncing between that and that's that's a skill like that's a skill that's, that's not a, something I want to do that's that's a dirty job some people handle it with grace and morality and other people don't yeah exactly and that's my issue but my issue is the NFL but the people who are in the position to handle that sort of politicking are the people who have worked with other people that maybe didn't come up with anything, everything and are highly adaptive and have, you know, a high emotional EQ. So, yeah, basically what I'm saying is no offense. This is not personal to anybody. But yeah, white middle managers suck. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, chances are you work with a Karen at your job. Oops, did I say that? There's probably a chat there too. And they probably, before you open your mouth, if you were black, they probably thought you were Maurice. And they probably thought Pete was a Hector. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. But no, in all seriousness, it's just that rule in itself and... um. A couple Troy uh, Troy Vincent pretty much said that hiring minorities in the NFL like it's it's a broken system, and it really is because if most of the people who play your sport are black and most of the people in your Hall of Fame are black, but none of them are actually reflected in decision making or you know high ranking coaching issues, that's kind of a problem. That's my issue when I see a lot of men who are women's basketball coaches over women who are totally qualified to coach women, but then I don't see women coaching men's basketball at high levels. But anyway, that's a whole other story for a whole other time. Shout out to Hoops Talk. They be handling that. All right. Well, on a lot much less um, convoluted note, can I get some, some cheers? Can I get a happy a happy sound, please? Wow. Okay. Now that just I've, gave me more gunshots. No, now that I've cleared the air, now that I've cleared the room, Start in a positive place. See? See how that works? Oh, you shouldn't, what have that? It, you shouldn't have cut it short. You should have let it keep going. <laughs> Shout out to Alden Smith, man. Officially, finally getting reinstated. Um, hasn't played since the 2015 season, I think they said. 2015 or 2016 season. Man looks ready. Man looks ready. He's back. Um, he's cleared. He's got his life together. School so. is in session. Shout out to him, man. I think he's one of those players where if he just has things that you can't teach, and if he's even 80% of that, he's still going to be a really good contributor, if not a starter. So the Cowboys have a chance of getting themselves a steal, and they really need it because they had some turnover on that D-line and also just overall their defensive staff. So... And honestly, I, don't, I mean, the defense, you know, was up and down, but I don't, I don't think they were the problem. I don't, I don't know what the problem was in Dallas. I mean, I think it was the, the coaching, Cowboys. Right? That's, like, the, that's the problem. Not the Cowboys. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, man. So just shout out to Alden Smith. Finally, a, a good note in that. You know, if, if you've been following me or this show, you know, I've been advocating for him for a minute. Um, you know, I'm glad that he didn't just go to the wayside and I'm glad that somebody is giving him a chance to turn his life around. So. And now he's going to open up a can of whoop ass on opposing offensive tackles. Because 
Like honestly, he was really underrated even when he was with the 49ers. Like some of the things he, was he did a as baby a young player, yeah. doing like grown man stuff. Yeah. Like yeah, he was playing in front of Justin Smith, so that helped a lot. But that was just like the bare minimum of his ability. He was getting that off ability alone and not necessarily, you know, refined NFL coaching and technique. So now that his mental's together, like, you don't lose talent like that. And he's probably more patient. That's crazy to think about. Is like, that 49ers defense was honestly probably better than the Ravens defense. Arguably, yes. A young Alden Smith over a young Terrell Suggs, I'm taking a young Alden Smith. I don't, well, Terrell Suggs wasn't even that young. He was like, he was prime, Terrell yeah, Suggs. But basically. I'm saying, like, if you could take Terrell Suggs yeah. at his peak, it's still not better than. I don't Alden know. Terrell Smith. Suggs was doing first some shit two years. too as a young player. Oh, he was, but. He, like, he came onto the scene too. Didn't Alden Smith have like 20 sacks? Yeah, he did. Some crazy like, shit. Like in his 19. Second year in the league? Yeah. That's freakish. Yeah, that is freakish. Like, but yeah, Suggs is like. Top five all time pass rusher in my opinion. Damn, low key that 49ers defense is probably like a really great defense that never won it. They really are. Like Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman played yep. like Hall of Fame linebackers. I think Willis is a Hall of Famer. That but whole D line was deep. Even uh what's his name? The other outside linebacker. Uh I always forget his name. Um shit. 55 Ahmad, Ahmad Brooks. Brooks Yeah, yeah. Ahmad Brooks He was nice He'll yeah. give you 8 sacks But he could You know He he, That almost That I feel like that's the blueprint For a lot of 3-4 defenses now If you can't get Two pass rushers like that You get one pass rusher Who's elite And one guy Who can do a little bit Of everything Get you a tweener On the other side With that Let's go ahead And move to take or tangent Ooh. Yeah Okay, bro, we know you know where the shotgun button is, but do you know where the take your tangent button is, or is this going to be a 30 seconds of occurrence every week? That, that, I mean, maybe if you like, <laughs> gave me a better lead-in and just saying, hey, let's talk about touchdown or tangent, like, that'd be great. I still can't see that shit. It's right right there. Bro, it's take the your bottom tangent. bottom one, 40. You just passed it. Did I? Oh, right, wait, down, 44. Oh, I, I thought I passed it's it. It's on there twice. Why is it not? So we're playing Honestly you probably Passed it earlier too You probably passed it Like four times Honestly I was looking at Touchdown or turnover I don't know why I went there first But oh boy I did pass it Like five times I've been wanting To get to all week Michael Thomas Okay Now we're back Devontae Parker Beef on IG uh, why don't you go ahead and, and give a pity My receivers all up In their feelings For a thousand Alex yeah, these gunshots are necessary for this segment because there's a lot of petty points. You can probably read off the IG tweets, but pretty much it was like it started off as like some Bleach Report did. I think it was like best receivers in the game or something like that. And Michael Thomas was there. And what did he say exactly? He pretty much said. He pretty much called Devontae Parker like a, a first rounder. He said, you're a bum, you're a bust. No, but he said something that triggered it. Like, he said something specifically that triggered it, which, because Michael Thomas, 
has gone off of multiple people on social media. And it's funny. And it's like, you could tell he's Keyshawn's. You could tell him and Keyshawn are related. Because he goes off in that same petty way. But he takes to another level. I keep in mind. Okay. You ready? Yeah, so. Let's do it. Okay, so somebody asked. Uh, make a catch while guarded by Stephen Gilmore or B, break up a pass while guarding Michael Thomas was the question on Fox IG. Parker answered A Gilmore. in the comments. And Thomas replied, for you, yes. Go run some numbers up, then you can talk. I laughed you and you've been in the league longer than me, first rounder. And then Parker responded, got some hard feelings, brother. Let me get targeted 300 times a game. Et cetera, et cetera. So... What's your take or tangent on the wide receiver beef out here in the IG streets? Okay, first off, they Damn, both I get a, a bar. They both Fuck get a you. point. They both we haven't really used that one in a while. We they both get a point. But here's where I'm gonna <laughs> break it down. And I'm gonna use shotgun blast. That way you can kind of pick up on this. So actually Devontae Parker, I think, ran up a bunch of numbers on Stephon Gilmore one one game. He had like 120 yards receiving on him and a touchdown or something. So he's actually one of the few receivers who played great against Gilmore. Now, an elite DB is really hard to catch passes on. It's easier for a guy like Michael Thomas to get catches because if they just throw you a bunch of short routes, a bunch of slants and outs, like stick, whatever, like of course, it's easier to get the ball in your hands, especially like Parker said, when you get targeted 300 times a game, because who else is Drew Brees throwing to? <laughs> it almost hurts hey. the development of other receivers <laughs> because he only throws the ball to either Alvin Kamara or, oh, Michael Thomas. Actually, I'm going to give Devontae Parker three points for and that. And I'm going to go on a tangent with this and, and shout out to the elder statesman. Um, you know, Steve Smith, senior. Yep, yep. Who pretty much said, first of all, obviously these guys have too much time on their hands. Clearly. But second of all, you, in quotations, Parker, knew the man, Thomas, was going to see it. So you're going to pick A, but then at the same time, you knew he was going to say something. So he says something. So pretty much what he's saying is... You instigated it. Kids, shut the fuck up. Go play on TikTok. <laughs> he was like, man, both y'all ain't doing shit right now. We don't even know if games are happening. Play some Madden. Like, chill the fuck out. That's what that's what um, uh, Michael Thomas is probably doing, playing the Saints against the Dolphins and Madden, and just personally controlling the DB so Devontae Parker doesn't get the yards. LA receivers are just different. I'll just add that, especially coming out of high school. With the chip <laughs> on your shoulder, you an LA receiver? Because if you were that's good, the chip. That's then you like a five star recruit in all world, all everything, and then. If you're not, then you're like the overlooked dude who didn't get no recruits and 
Came out of Except nowhere. Except he, he did. He was like highly recruited. Like Michael Thomas went to Ohio fucking state. Like, no, but I'm just saying in general. I was I was talking about, like I was probably, talking about Keyshawn and Steve Smith. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean Michael Thomas is probably somewhere in the middle, but still has that same mentality. He's, Either way, he's nowhere near. He still like, adopted that mentality. He might be better than Keyshawn, but he's not nowhere near in the same space. Like I don't want to hear Michael Thomas and Steve Smith Senior in the same because Steve Smith Senior was a third round pick. And considered a punt returner out of Utah, who and was his quarterback? Are you exactly? And played on the same JUCO football team with Chad Johnson. How the fuck was that legal? But shout out to Chad Johnson. He gave some money to a restaurant this week. A thousand dollar tip. Love you, Chad Johnson. You're a beautiful human being, and he'll bust your ass in FIFA. Uh, he actually lost uh, to somebody in FIFA. So I mean, and he paid up. Honorable man. And he like now he just bodybuilds and shit. Like, like Chad Johnson really is a Hall of Fame receiver, but the media or I don't know whoever won't take him seriously, and that's disrespectful. All right, next one. So an anonymous executive um, ripped Colts rookie offensive offensive running offensive rookie the Colts. Ah, oh, fuck. He ripped Jonathan Taylor and pretty much said he doesn't play big and he fumbles. So do you got to take or a tangent on that? I mean, did he play big in college and did he fumble a lot? One of those is true. But he also played in Wisconsin where they don't have any receivers or running backs. So what do you want him to do? He doesn't play defense. He went to Wisconsin and Wisconsin usually doesn't have running backs with that much speed ever. So what do you want him to do? And young running backs sometimes have fumbling problems, and the fact that he carried the ball that many times and statistically is one of the greatest running backs in college football history. Are you really going to get mad at him fumbling that much? I mean, shit. Like, what do you expect him to do? He can tighten that up, but get off his head. And it's probably the anonymous person who ripped him was probably... Uh, Bill Pullian? <laughs> nah. <laughs> that only works for you if you're black and a quarterback, then Bill Pullian will rip you. <clears throat> but if anything, I'll just say this, man. Shout out to uh, I think it's I think it's corny to take shots at players who haven't even played a fucking down. Shout out to Quincy that Avery who exec, said that Jill Brandt is outdated. That exec probably wanted Jonathan Taylor. That's what I'm he saying. Get him, or he's in the division, and that's just his job. To it was probably shit. Bill O'Brien. But yeah, man, that's just corny to me. It's always corny. Leave that man alone. All right, next up. Say it to his face, you little bitch. Next up, uh, DeMarcus Ware said LeBron couldn't block him if he had chosen football. No one could block DeMarcus Ware, so, yeah. LeBron wouldn't have been the tight end. I don't know why everybody thinks that. He's he, he not a blocker, dog. Like, <laughs> like. Here's the thing with LeBron and guys like LeBron. He's a freakish athlete, but that physicality does not carry over to football. He would get smacked in the trenches. He would have to be a receiver. Getting uh, Michael Thomas type treatment. Playing in the slot, probably. He Like, he would he'd be on some Larry Fitzgerald type shit when he first learned how to play in the slot. Like... He would be that kind of person. Or LeBron would just eventually become an outside linebacker. That's where I would put him. Last one. Um, there's a onside kick 
alternative being floated around right now. I think it's proposed. Essentially, clubs would be able to forego an onside kick, and they could instead get the ball on the 25-yard line, their 25-yard line, in a 4th and 15 situation. Um, supposedly, this is gaming steam right now. Even Pat Mahomes tweeted about it like it was nothing. But, yeah, so you got to take our tangent on this potential 4th and 15 from their own 25 situation. My fantasy Let's make football. it 4th and 25. Let's start there. Is that a podcast name already? <laughs> Maybe. Like it is. Maybe. Fourth and twenty five on the fifteen. But yeah, let, let's make it some uh, outrageous shit because onside kick is is hard as fuck to get back. Should like, say that. Are we lowering the bar? Like, do we want teams to? How, how dare you disrespect Young Ho Cool? Do we want teams to come back within the final two minutes? Like, is that what we want? Is that what we really want? Shout out to what they really really want. Wow. Yep. I just made a Spice Girls reference on this podcast. Why do you have to be scary spice? That's racist. Who said I was scary spice? Why are you racist? Because <laughs> that's her line in the song. Maybe I wanted to be sporty spice. <laughs> Damn. Oh. Unbelievable. Maybe I'm Shout out I'm, to the TV show I stole that from this week. I don't even remember what it was. No one does. But um when you break it down and look at it, fantasy football could only thrive. Imagine how many points you get for a converted fourth and fifteen, or whatever. That's true. I didn't even think about that element. Like that. Imagine how much more that helps the gambling numbers with fan side. Not fan sided, but you know what I'm talking about. Like all those other gambling sites. Well, the other thing is that's just another wrinkle in the game. And then, like, let's say you get I don't know an extra. Like, if you convert that. You get also an extra kinda, challenge. It also kind of... Cha- oh, that's a lot. That's too much. But Is it? Well, because that's also going to change the timing of the game and kind of how you game plan things because that essentially puts more more scenarios into play because it's much easier to get the ball back. And then also if you convert it, you know, time's going to still be running. It's, it's just going to be an incentive for teams overall to go for it more on four down, so... It really is just kind of making special teams coaches almost obsolete. That's what I'm saying. Like, is that what we're trying to do? Like, is that really what we're trying to do? Do we really want teams to be able to just go back and forth fucking scoring all day long? Like, is that what we want? I mean, you can appreciate great punting, but there's not a lot of punt return touchdowns anymore. But that's what makes it fucking amazing. That's what makes it awesome. Like, when the XFL had their only kickoff return for a touchdown, that shit was lit. That's what I'm saying. That's a game. Like, my high school's first play, competitive play, was was a a kick return to the house. Against you or for you? Against us. No, for us. (laughs) For us. Yeah, man. Shout out to to my boy, Brian Adams, man. Speedy. Number five. One of the greatest. Got a bunch of... He he set all the Roosevelt track records, pretty much. Went on to UCR, did his thing. Now he's doing some some marketing projects. I think it's called More Gems, More Wins. It's pretty dope. It's like doing some some like culture shit, like boxing together, like you know, magazine clippings and rookie cards and like you know, design T-shirts. And it's pretty dope, man. So shout out to him. Shout out to fucking Roosevelt guys. So like, when shout is he Jay coming Mitch. on the show? Yeah, we got to get him on, man. But shout out to Jay Mitch too, man, doing his thing. 
we had him on in January, but we're seeing him train with Marcus Williams, so shout out to him, man. He got a baby on the way too, so shout out to him, man. Shout out to Roosevelt. Yeah. That was dope. Alright, t- touchdown and turnover. Sorry. Again, you can't you can't just yell I said, I said That's before, a horrible transition, I said the last bro. One. I said last one. Exactly. Don't just say touchdown and turnover. Fucking run the board. I do. That was a shitty transition, bro. I said earlier. It's shitty lineup one. right now. Okay. I'm sorry you don't know how to read my my mind like I know how to read yours. That's not true at all because you didn't know I was going to do this. I'm always queued up. I'm always queued up. Are you? Yeah, I am. When I have the sound bites, shit's uh, always in sync. Like that? But it's also because I also like transition. So, I mean, kind of a conflict of interest, but yeah. Anyways. You said conflict of interest. They nice. said uh, Jamal Adams' uh, future trade, very possible. Is that a touchdown or a turnover for the Jets? Remember the the intro to Dark Skies Paradise? Yeah. That shit's hard. That's my shit. And the, and the extended version is even better. Honestly, I wish he would had just put the extended version, the end of it at the beginning, because he fucking snapped. Big Sean always will give me a track that I want. And then, like, he'll give me some, like, fluffy shit, but not snap on it. And then the shit that he snaps on, I felt like he held back. Like, bro, just give me some okay, shit. Okay, I'm sorry. He beginning. wants to give you some shit for you to dance with your girl, bro. Man, don't nobody need that shit. Yeah. Most people ain't in do. love out here right now. I want to hear some violent shit. I want to shoot up a club to some shit. That was the most ignorant ass shit you've ever said <laughs> in the history of this podcast. Really? Yeah, fucking Riley Freeman over here. What? You gonna just throw a chair? <laughs> Sometimes I'd be happy as fuck and I just wanna hear destructive music. We throw like, chairs in here right now. <laughs> no, we're not. Keith, we're not doing that. We're not throwing shit in here. Pete is clearly dumb. But okay, you still didn't answer the question. I feel like I did because I feel like that literally just describes the Jets organization and how they treat their best players. Ah, uh, damn! See how deep that was. Speaking of organizations that t- treat their bad players, their best players bad. Yeah, I'm all over the place oh, today. Hate transitions. Reports say the Cardinals extending Patrick Peterson could be a difficult negotiation. Is that a touchdown or a turnover for the Cardinals? Yeah, because they've wasted his whole career, and he's invaluable. And it's like, dude, you got to pay me. I'm so great, teams don't throw to me anymore. I'm not even gathering stats. I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame with, like, 20 interceptions. Mad. And he has more than 20 interceptions. But still. Probably, how many, yeah, Google how many interceptions Patrick Peterson has. All right, well, I'll do that after this one. Uh, oh, yeah. The Falcons signed Deion Buchanan, touchdown to turnover. Touchdown! They need fast linebackers who can cover and occasionally hit people, and they need to fix their um, cornerback situation. And I don't know what the hell they're doing with their edge rushers. So yeah, they, he's played in a three-four. So yeah. Um, Patrick Peterson interception total for his career twenty-five. I was had gonna, two last year I was in ten say, games. I was gonna say twenty-five. Should have went with your gut. 
In my head, I said 25. Because your gut ain't as big. You ain't trusting it right now. No, nah, I inherently knew it was 25. <laughs> I just wanted you to know it. Like, I inherently knew he had 25 picks. But that's crazy to be in the Hall of Fame. You don't even have 30 interceptions. That's a corner. Devontae Freeman turned down a one-year, $4 million contract with the Seahawks. Is that a touchdown or a turnover for Freeman? I feel like he probably would have got fat in Seattle, like all the other running backs. Uh, allegedly. All that seafood, all that cholesterol. I mean, is it like a thing? And it's rainy. It's like where certain people have that. Run outside. Certain people have that gene where like they're skinny their whole lives, and then eventually you just see like, oh, they can get fat, like one biscuit or one heartbreak away. They're gonna balloon up, and they might not come back down. Pacific Northwest is just different, man. That depression wave. That it's that. Let it's just like sunshine. it's It's like New York and L.A. like combined. It has like good traits of. Bad trades of both, so it's just like different. Like Miami's know. humid, and there's a lot of crazy shit happening, but it's fun, and you're always like, there's always something to do. New York, I mean, but this com- if comparing the South to the Pacific Northwest is it's a big difference. And he was in Atlanta. Yeah. All right, so the Eagles have been eyeing veteran running backs, including Freeman, as well as Lashawn McCoy and Carlos Hyde. So. Is that a touchdown or a turnover for the Eagles that they're looking for a running back? It's a turnover if they don't get LaShawn McCoy because Miles Sanders is a running back in the future. Anybody else is just a backup at this point. I don't know, man. I feel bad, kind of feel a little bit bad for Carlos Hyde. I feel like he keeps getting a raw deal. He really like, does. He hasn't had a he bad He rushed for 1,000 yards last year. He rushed for 1,000 yards in San Francisco. Everywhere he goes, he'll eventually rush for 1,000 yards. All I'm saying is, me personally, I would like to see uh, LaShawn McCoy finish his career as an Eagle like Deshaun Jackson. It only makes sense. Doug Peterson, Eagles head coach, you got to make it happen. Like it just, it just has to happen. Like I don't want to see LaShawn McCoy anywhere but in Philadelphia wearing 25. All right, the Titans and Derrick Henry are reportedly having – Positive negotiations. They're finding common ground. So is that a touchdown or a turnover? Henry looking like he's going to stay in Tennessee. He better get a fat base salary because I don't know, man. Running back's a hard life. He's going to get caught in the wedge. And it's not like you're going to say Derrick Henry's a top five running back. It's like there's, there's Christian McCaffrey I'm just not no no particular order. Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, you can say Zeke. You said Zeke third on purpose, but okay, that's fine. Go ahead, continue. <laughs> he's he what? He's the second. He's in the second tier. He already got wait, paid. Wait, he got wait. paid like oh, what? Oh. He got paid already. Woo. He got paid Woo. already. Then Woo. McCaffrey just got paid. I thought you so were trying to say to he's get a second tier running back. <laughs> no, that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. <laughs> he's going to come over here and just run you over. <laughs> I have to call you, say that, and then hang up the phone. Like, I couldn't say that to your face. Like like at night? Like an anonymous death threat? Like, like <laughs> Zeke's a second tier running back. Click. Bitch. <laughs> exactly. You know who's second tier? Not your podcast. No, Zeke. All right. Dak Prescott, there were reports that he turned down a five-year, $170 million contract from Dallas because he wanted at least $45 million in the fifth year. Adam Scheffner said there have been no discussions on other scenarios other than the Cowboys wanting a longer deal. 
So basically, he pretty much shot down the reports. So it's not a touchdown or a turnover that, you know, we're still even talking about Dak's I could, contract. I could honestly see him getting traded to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers. Stop it. In a worst-case scenario. Stop it. Him it's 2020, bro. It's 2020. It's already a the bad year. The world's ending? Like, yeah. Like, we're squashing beef now and and, and coming together to to – Co-op another franchise, another historic franchise. Well, let's be honest: is McCarthy not a lame duck coach in Dallas? Ouch! Because it's Jerry's team. All right. Last up before we get to the rants, a um, couple of things to shout out. Uh, Martin Garman is the first black athletic director in UCLA like history. Why the fuck has UCLA not had a black athletic director? And he's the youngest. But I digress. He's also the youngest in, like, all the Power Five conferences. He came from Boston College. And also, um, for as much, you know, kind of jokes we got off earlier on the podcast about um, Thomas, you know, we also got to give him his flowers. Um, He did a good thing this week in the community as well. I think he he donated a bunch of... Oh, he donated raising canes to provide 3,000 meals to frontline workers at hospitals across New Orleans, baby. So, shout out to Thomas for doing good, even though he's still petty as fuck. Shout out to him. You are a real MVP. Wait, Thomas? What's Thomas? Michael Thomas, the one we were talking about earlier. Kenny would be that motherfucker on the front line like, oh, raising canes? We can't get top tenders? What 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 sides did you like, give the, what sides did you give the kids? I'm like raising no, it's not the kids. It's the the hospital workers. Okay, I mean you're kind of giving bad cholesterol food to people who are in the health industry. Okay, couldn't give them your vegan. Give them the shit that you be eating with your trainer, Mike. <laughs> you a petty motherfucker. How you give some unhealthy shit to some people who need to be healthy? That lowers their immune system. Like that shit, like diabetes, fucking two or type two diabetes. All that shit is probably in raising Cane's food. Like you're not helping. Give him a custom food truck. Hell, get him some fucking liquor. And also shout I'm out. I'm joking. I'm I'm being facetious. Shout out to Candace Lee, hired as Vanderbilt AD. She's the SEC's first female African American AD. So shout out to her. And. Anything else before we wrap it up? Um, let me see. Let me think about it. Is there anything else? Ricky Williams' birthday is today. Shout out to Ricky Williams. How could you forget? My bad. Oh, and then also Tua's little brother transferred to Maryland. Tui, Tua Tungvaloa's little brother transferred to Maryland. With uh, Maryland head coach Mike Loxley, um, he was offensive coordinator at Alabama when two when two his little brother was there. I said two his little brother should have never went there. That was a total mistake. But he wanted to play with his brother. He got a championship ring. That's nice. Maybe he can be the man at Maryland. We'll see what happens. Because Maryland be having talent, but then they just trash overall. Because Ohio State's so good. But Maryland has potential. So, and so does his little brother. But we'll see. 
There's a lot of transfers going on in college football. Boston College got Ohio State running back. Like, Cats is still transferring. Whether there's going to be college football or not remains to be seen. All right, man. So let's close it out with the rats. With the rats? Rants. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, shout out to my mom. Her birthday was last week. Uh, got her. Happy some, birthday, mom! Very. Got. Well, she got drunk off mimosas. I pretty What's much. What's up, man? I I didn't finish the bottle out of respect because you know I saved something for. Her. But it was dope, and uh, mom never again get chocolate cake with blue icing. That cake is trash. I love you, but that cake was trash. And she knew it was trash. She's like, damn. I was like, this is why you always go angel food cake with a dark frosting. You never go chocolate cake with, a, like, a alternative frosting because that could be shitty. You go, like, uh, if you go angel food cake with, like, some yellow frosting, yellow frosting is out there, but still, you got the angel food cake. This is fat boy cake talk right now, but just so <laughs> you know. Like, chocolate cake is gross. I'm sorry. It just is. Like, chocolate cake is fucking gross. Just the same way that red velvet cake is just chocolate cake with red food coloring. Stop it's all, it. It is. It is. No, it is. Stop yes, it. it is. Stop it. Yes, it. No, it's not. Totally Fuck different. it is. It tastes way different. It's the same, bro. No, it's not. Your mind. The texture is not the same. Do I have to get put the on a koofy hat? Do I have to be the no, fat boy? Hotel fat boy? You've never actually had a good red velvet cake. I've had excellent and red velvet cake. also, the frosting I've is... Had, the red frosting velvet cake that is, almost made me pass out. And the out frosting also. is also part of the red velvet cake yes, experience. But if, but if there's no frosting... I get that little cream cheese feeling. That shit is flame. That shit is flame, yes. But if you just have plain red velvet cake, it's chocolate cake with red food coloring. Who has... Who has red it velvet cake with no there, frosting? Bro. It That's exists out there, bro. So, it exists out there. Hey, man. I've had all types of red velvet. I've had all... Anyways, up, finish the, your up and down the this spectrum. This is your time. Finish your it shit. It is. I've had cake all up and down the spectrum. Clearly, I'm fat. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, by the way, I have a hot take. Um, that Future album was trash. But not for the reasons you think. It had bangers on it. But I feel like this Future album finally just... Future finally came full circle and admitted, I'm a fucking scumbag. <laughs> I freak these hoes who want to be freaked. Mind your goddamn business. I buy your bitch a bag and all her friends and she'll forget you exist. And I could, she ain't gonna say shit. I could fuck her friend in front of her and punch her in the head and get away with it because I am the king of toxicity. And there's nothing you can do about it. So just let it go. And if you see me scoop a chick, she's not wife material. You need to get away from her. In fact, uh, we can learn a lot woo. from future. Like, he just tweeted out some shit. Don't treat an ugly girl pretty. That's a double entendre, bro. Not all <laughs> ugly chicks are ugly. Not all pretty chicks are pretty. But you don't treat an ugly chick on the inside or the outside like a pretty chick. You just don't. It's toxic, but future future's laying out a blueprint. I'm just saying, he is taking the he is the Leonidas to the rest of us in the 300 sequel, fucking everybody up. He's taking he's taking all the arrows. He's walking so we can run. That's all I'm saying. Um, and 
I think it was the fourth or fifth song in there. That shit was fire. I don't really like the Roddy Rich the, the remake, but you're stupid. Uh, Stop it! I gotta hear it again. I gotta hear it again because I only listened to a couple songs once, and the other songs that I immediately fucked with, I listened to them like twenty times. That's how I get with certain albums. But I, I think it was a for future. It was a throwaway. But the the ultimate theme of the album is like I'm a fucking asshole and I'm never gonna be a nice guy. But I never said I was one. And yeah. my lifestyle is my lifestyle. Stop trying to get me to be anything else. Cause I'm not disillusioned. You're disillusioned. I'm the f- I'm living in my future. You in my past. That's kind of a bar, but whatever. Um, and lastly, yeah, wash our asses, man. Cause I didn't know y'all. Y'all back at the beach. Y'all probably doing all types of fuck shit. Like I'm mad. I can't go to the gym. I can't like. It's annoying to work out at home sometimes. Like, I can't just go to the gym and just be like... Or not the gym, but the beach. And just look at the water and breathe in the air. Because y'all fucking up out here. Like, I'm frustrated. Because all my vices that I would normally do, I can't do right now. And I can't get a goddamn massage. My neck is killing me. This shit is ridiculous. Like, I'm starting to get really annoyed at all this quarantine shit. Like, honestly, I can't wait till everything opens back up. Ugh. And I'm going to get another haircut. But anyway, I'm done. Seven minutes and running. With that. <sighs> one thing. Uh, on the- whoa, Wendy's. We're going to Wendy's after this. Hope you know that. One thing on the future note that I will say is um, I think really the first time listening to it, I felt kind of like what you were saying. I was like, oh, this is much more in the Evolve and Purple Rain category than anything else. But, you know, as I gave it a few more listens, you know, especially jogging, I think the thing, and I tweeted this about Future, is he just, it's, it's, his sound is so raw, and it's like all over the place, but it matches like the lyrics that he's saying, you know, because he'll, he'll do some like jazzy, like rock beat shit with some like distorted fucking auto-tune R&B like jingly shit like he does it all and if you listen to what he's talking about it's like it's like yeah it's it's a lot of what Kenny's saying like in terms of you know it's my my lifestyle I am who I am you know I do what I do with these hoes but you know I'm still out here you know trying to be a better man and father and like I'm I'm damaged and I, I know I'm damaged and I know I'm causing damage and you know I want to stop but I also can't stop because it makes me who I am like so it's both almost sort of like a tragic kind of hero sort of situation but it's it's to me future's always been kind of a situation of like I just a feel cautionary like, tale I just always have felt like he's like, you know, singing to his demons. Like, if I could put all of what Future is into, you know, one little line, it's like, it's always him singing to his demons, you know, and sometimes it's girls, sometimes it's it's drugs or, or you know, family shit or, you know, his background where he's come from. But, you know, I, I, I respect that work ethic and I respect the authenticity and I think that if you've ever been through something, you can definitely relate to Future because, you know, he talks about it all from shit he could control to shit that he couldn't control. Like, 
you know, he, he keeps it 100. He knows he's chased girls for popularity and shit like that. Like, he, he knows what he's done, but it's what it is. Like you said, king, king, king toxic masculinity. But, you know, it's also kind of what we need right now. It's kind of, you know, we need to empower people to, to be themselves. and Which kind of brings me to my next point. You know, I've been going through it in my personal life, you know, but one thing I will say that I've learned this week and just overall, you know, I probably said this before, but, you know, sometimes when you don't make a decision or you're not sure or you're just kind of like, you know, playing things and see how it goes. It's crazy because the universe will come and make a decision for you and then Sometimes it's not always the way you want it to be And you know You can't control that And sometimes you can Sometimes it hurts Sometimes it doesn't But I think at the end of the day What what you learn is that You know Regardless Knowing What you're up against Or knowing what you need to do Already gives you an advantage You know versus You know playing both sides of it Trying to wonder which way to go so, you know, for me, bringing it even more personal, it's like, I just, I just enjoy, like, I do better being overlooked. I do better, like, with my back against the wall, like, and for a lot of you out there who are, you know, going through it, struggling with all this COVID shit, you know, and all the 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 things that we aren't talking about that are happening behind the scenes, you know, all the stress about money and family and health and all those things that are intertwined together on top of all the regular, you know, regular societal shit that we've been dealing with. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like even when you face your, your scariest reality or your worst case scenario, it's really never as bad as you think it is. And... Oftentimes, it's nothing that you can't handle, and it's nothing that you can't respond to, and it's nothing that won't make you better, that you can't get better from. And so, that's really just been my mindset this week, you know, figuring out what I need to do and and really just, just doing it. Like, at this point in my life, 20 years old, 28 years old, it's like, my whole mindset is just like to do it to just do everything like and not in the same way that I was doing everything before but just a lot more intentionally and a lot less regret and you know I think that's that's a part of of becoming a man so yeah man with that shout out to all the people who listen to us who fuck with us Shout out to the Good News Sports. Shout out to the Good News Radio Station. Shout out to all of you who are actually fucking behaving and staying in quarantine and being safe at home and wearing your face masks and not out fucking protesting on the beaches and... And and in tones on Hawthorne and tones on what? Lying about your data and switching up numbers and shit like that. Or fucking catching flights, going to fucking 9-11 when there's still rubble on the ground and expecting nothing to happen. So... Shout out to all you, man. Shout out to the class of 2020. Shout out to the class of 2020. Fuck yeah, man. Shout out to all you. All y'all deserve strippers, cocaine, and all the food and liquor you want. Like, y'all are allowed to be hoes for the next year. Y'all get a pass. 
for the next calendar year because y'all shit got I, fucked I think off. we know what it's like to be, you know, the class that starts a decade. You know, nothing rhymes with fucking 2-0. Like, I don't know what y'all fucking slogan is, but it's probably not that good. 2020 vision. But, we but that, that said, all your shit looks hard as fuck. That double 2 double 2 So, shout out to y'all, man. Happy graduation. 2020 um, things. 2021 Hope you trash. get a fucking bus At least Hope your school gives you a fucking bus Or some shit A bus Something Y'all didn't get prom Yeah man Y'all might not have got winter formal either Yeah man Like Damn You know what Cheers to y'all You're all gonna succeed in life I can't wait to interview some of y'all Probably in the future When we're talking about how You overcame a bunch of shit And now you're here And we're laughing and joking about it So salute to y'all Class 2020 my homies who graduated from CSUN. I'm, I was reminiscing about the fact that I graduated a year ago. Is this a and rant boy, after a rant? Yes, it is. It's overtime. Oh I am my lu- God, I'm bro. a lucky motherfucker, man. We're I'm all hungry. lucky. I know. I'm hungry. We're lucky. Man, shout out to everybody. Class 2020. Shout out to Ryan and the LAFB Network. Shout out to FPC Radio. Shout out to the S-Squad Affiliates. Good shout out to everyone you fuck with. Good news family, everybody. Everybody Fuck Tariq from uh, Power though I was watching Barbershop 3 And I got mad I was like People I wanna still watch kid. Power? I thought, I thought you retired that Like two years ago It did But like When I saw Tariq's character And he had dreads in this one And I was like This motherfucker's a bitch In every role he plays I just hate Tariq But anyway Yeah um, Love y'all We Peace. out We gotta get like an outro version. We do have an outro version. Bro, we have a bunch of outro versions. So I'll find that goddamn flash drive. It's in the house. And that one you can't blame on me because yeah, like, you, know, no, you it's closed stuck, it up. It's stuck underneath it my right bed. There. It's stuck underneath no, my bed. No, I'm talking about that. You could have pushed play as you were saying. Be safe, y'all. Well, you know what? Let's go get some fucking Wendy's. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.